Welcome to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The language and conversations contained within this podcast are often not suitable for minors, nuns, people with heart conditions, the humorless, and the easily offended. Spoilers for the films discussed are often in abundance. Okay, we're back, and it's episode 106 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Romali. How are you doing, sir? Hello. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, we're we're kicking off the October Halloween season in a big way. As far as official episodes go, we're diving back into Fulci. We're going to finish off his so-called trilogy. I, I think more, more or less people outside of uh, Fulci called it a trilogy. It was just three films he did in quick Mm -hmm. succession more than anything else. But Mm -hmm. we are going to be looking at City of the Living Dead and The Beyond. We already did Host by the Cemetery like a year ago or so. so. The bat that never stopped bleeding. Yeah, and fucking Bob. Oh, well, I see. I thought we might be able to get through this without mentioning Bob, but I'm already right out of the bat. I'm very disappointed. I wanted to put the trauma behind us uh, as quickly as possible, but... Hi, I'm Bob. No shit, Sherlock. We just said your name. <sighs> Who the fuck calls her kid Bob? Nobody. Does yeah, that. <laughs> not Bobby, not Robert. No, no, nothing. Bob. Yeah, you're you're a 48 year old steel worker. Sure you are. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a few comments. Well, more than what we usually get, and so we have one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I did ask for people to uh, give comments on the two movies we're doing. And we'll actually get to those after we review the movies. Yeah, so, so it's no not spoilers, too, you know. Yes, yeah, so no spoilers. But we do have a, a couple <laughs> comments ahead of time here. And we have them from our old friend Greg, who hasn't commented in quite a while. But he's back with basically the majority of the fucking comments uh, this time around. First off, on our uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, he said, it's definitely one of his favorite horror movies. This movie has a certain dirtiness, a certain meanness that only really occurred in the 1970s horror movies. It actually reminds me a lot of Last House on the Left in its tone, not plot. I watched it again with my wife, who has never seen it before and isn't really a fan of the genre. She didn't find it as scary as I thought she would. But she did enjoy it for the most part, although she did notice that there were quite a few horror cliches in the movie, to which I had to remind her that this movie invented many of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> many of those hey, cliches. Oh yeah, when, yeah, when, uh, when, she, when she ran up the stairs to get to the second floor, she was the first person that ever did that thing, by the way. I didn't. It was, she was the first person to make a bad decision. But it, <laughs> it, it continued from there. And you know what? Uh, the, there are people, a lot of people who, uh, who, do, who do say they're cliches. But they're they're just they're they're trying to build plot because if you don't use the cliche, well then they make a better decision and the movie's over pretty pretty shortly. The only yeah. problem is they are they're they're story plot building or suspense building or things building bridge building. We'll just call them bridge buildings for right now to try to get the you know the movie a little length and a little this. 
Mm-hmm. But they are overdone now. But it's hard for the, for me to call them a cliche because sometimes they call some certain things cliches. I'm like, yeah, but you have to do that. No, no, the girl doesn't. You know, she always drops the gun when she finally gets it loaded, and this stuff. I was like, no, or she could just shoot the guy, and the fucking film would be over. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, because I've seen I, I've seen parodies uh, done uh, in the last few years that uh, <laughs> sort of parody slasher movies where everyone makes the right decision, so the movie's over in five minutes. Exactly. Oh. That's yes. Yeah, is is uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was like this car full of kids going to the woods. They're all the typical stereotypes and everything like that. But as soon as they get there, they're like, "We should get the fuck out of here," and then they just leave. It's like, no, everything here is wrong. You, Let's leave. Did you hear that that horror movie track when we walked in that direction? Fuck yeah. that. We're going this way. What, what do you mean there was a killer in this camp twenty years ago? Let's get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let's let's go to a Seven Eleven get drunk. Mm. Greg also says, I'm not really a fan of any of the sequels. As far as I'm concerned, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a standalone film. Likely, I I did actually enjoy the remake, although it misses the tone of the original altogether. Of course, it would have been better if it was its own standalone movie and not related to Texas Chainsaw Massacre at all. But that is not a wise financial decision for the studios. And just because I want to lose all my credibility, I actually enjoyed Texas Chainsaw 3D. It was an awful movie for sure, but it was one of those so bad it's good type movies and a fun what if scenario. Um, well, <laughs> you're welcome to that opinion, Greg. I I can't I, even. I mean, I'm I'm glad they did. Well, I I Greg. Wow. Again, okay. I I got I got you. I got you. The only thing I can say though is I'm so glad that Texas Chainsaw Part Two didn't try to just parody the first one because that's what they were gonna try to do. The, yeah. the studios wanted him to literally make the first one over and over and over and over and over again. And I think if Texas Part 2 was so close to Part 1, I don't think I would like it at all. No. Uh, I mean, and when you think about it, he did eat in the live, which was essentially a lot closer to the yeah. to Texas Chainsaw Massacre anyway. So it, and he'd that be looking... is raw. Yeah. That's a raw, gritty movie, man. So if you, have, if you haven't watched it, Eat in the Live, definitely check that out. If you like that raw gritty 70s look i mean that's that's got that in spades yeah and it's got robert england beating up a hooker <laughs> yeah my name is buck yeah. and i'm raring to fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> is that an alligator in your swamp or a crocodile in your swamp or are you just happy to see me yeah <laughs> <laughs> greg also posted a comment on my episode for slasher films the first first half of my uh 1980s uh, slasher film two-parter for Blood on the Tracks. And he says, glad you included the theme song from Madman, my favorite part of that movie, and it's a pretty good movie. So, yeah. The theme song is fucking fantastic. And I believe a little bit of a metalized version would be pretty interesting. You'd there are expand on a little bit, but yeah, there there are metalized covers of it on YouTube. Yeah. If if you do if you do wish to search out, there there are definitely people out there, big fans of that fucking yeah. theme song. So. Of the campfire, of it's, <laughs> it's 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 fucking it's great. Yeah, he's real. He's real. <laughs> so yeah, how, did that fucker, how did that fucker get a lot? He's the one that needs that usually dies in the first five yeah. seconds of the movie, and he wins. He gets to be the dumb schlub who uh, continues on the urban legend of Madman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's your cousin's sister's friend who told you about uh, the guy he yeah. knew. That uh, yeah, I, I saw him. I saw Madman Mars. Yeah. I saw him. Okay, so 
that that's all the uh, initial comments on previous episodes. <laughs> we, we do have a couple comments as well that I asked for on the actual Facebook page. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. The best way to get in touch with us and find out what's coming up on the podcast. But I have two other comments, and we're going to save them for after our reviews of the two movies tonight. So there's another. I have a follow up note for the Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch Night of the Living Dead again, the beginning of it, and when she finally runs away from the zombie, uh, or ghoul, I'm so sorry, ghoul, ghoul, yeah, um, you'll realize that she falls for a second. And if you watch that little uh, scene where she trips, she doesn't have any shoes on at all. If you look closely, and then the next scene, she loses her shoes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna say that that's uh, that's one of the only real continuity based errors that I can tell you right off the top of my head, and I forgot to mention it during the the show. And I was recently at the movie theaters today, mm-hmm. and it said that in October 25th, one day only, they are going to run a gag reel kind of or some some kind of reel they call it of Night of the Living Dead. So it's oh. kind of like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of Night of the Living Dead with laugh hmm. tracks and comedy like over overlay. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, that might be fun. That might be interesting, <laughs> yeah. And I mean that's a great segue. I have nothing to talk about as far as recent watches. Nothing I want to put on here. I'm gonna save save it for a bonus episode, but I'll I'll just throw it over to you uh, there, Paul. Anything you've uh, purchased in the last little while and anything you've uh, watched? Well I got uh, Nightmare from nineteen eighty one and I got Kochak the Night Stalker. The series on DVD, which I, which was just one of those ones that just they're classics. Yeah, they're just they're that's a classic show. And unlike Scooby Doo, most of the shit he finds out is real, which is kind yeah. of even better, you know. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. While I was at the movies, we were there enjoying the clips before the film and stuff. And actually, one of the clips that came up was one that was mocking horror movies. Hmm. And it was a good, you know, there was, you could see the dark big figure in the background of these teenagers were, you know, running away and they got to the house yeah. and they're like, Let, let's go hide in the attic. No, let's hide in the basement. How about we just take that moving running car right there and leave? Are you crazy? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, let's go hide behind the wall of chainsaws. Okay. That's a good idea. And things like that. And they're yelling at each other. Go, what? Should we text someone? Stop it. No, this and that. And it says, when you're in a horror movie. They make bad bad decisions, you know. <laughs> we don't, yeah. When you're in a horror movie, you make bad decisions. So don't be like them and turn off your cell phones and don't talk during the movie. You no, know, it was exactly. kind of funny, but it was a very comical, very very. And the big, and the, yeah. the big, the other big guy was there, and he's like pulled up his mask and he's just looking at the guys, shaking his head, going like, "What the hell? This is too easy." You know? <laughs> but it was a re- it was a really comical thing. But the movie was not was not horror based. It was more epically wonderful based. Uh, I took the kids today to see the My Little Pony movie. It just came out. And, yay, it was great. And uh, I was more excited than they were, but they were super excited. And I got to relive the older days by not partaking, but handing the kids copious amounts of quarters to play arcade games all day. All the good uh, Land of the Dead, Area 51s, those kind of ones, Silent Scope, Mortal Kombat 2, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we, we were doing that. And then we watched uh, My Little Pony in the movie, which was chock full of adventure and drama and romance and and uh, loss and sadness and betrayal and it was great it was everything that you wanted in a, in a modern day movie except when you know with extra amounts of friendship and ponies and cuteness yeah it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, it had thrilling romance adventure uh drama but it was all uh surrounding bipedal magical ponies 
Yes, and at or, one point in time, quadrupeds, I should say. Just to say, just to show you how amazing this film is, they turn into mermaids for a little bit. Just saying. They I'm did. Not sp- I'm not, I didn't want to spoil anything. They went a little mermaidy, <laughs> and it was pretty fantastic. I was at the edge of my seat with toy ponies on my lap watching the, sh- the, the film the whole time, giggling like a little schoolgirl. Okay. And at one point in time, I wept. I mean, it was a big deal. I can remember right around the time all of those shows were on TV, like the original My Little Ponies. That stuff was in, you know, the cartoon blocks that would always come on Saturday. Oh, night, yeah. Yep. Or Saturday morning, I mean. So those were always designated the girls' shows, mm-hmm. uh, My Little Pony, Care Bears, whatever. And then you'd have, like, Transformers. And I can just yeah. – I can remember back that era, and I can remember the time I saw Transformers, the movie – in mm-hmm. theaters 1987 in the first... right 1988 87 yeah i actually saw that in the theater and that kind of traumatized me as a kid because mm-hmm. in the first five minutes half the cast was murdered but they killed yeah it was, it was <laughs> yeah. a hardcore shit yeah it's, yeah yeah that, that movie when that came out they didn't they didn't fuck around they destroyed half the fucking transformers I can't even, and I can't even remember the name of the guy, but my favorite Transformer was among the ones who was just murdered within five minutes. And the, you, you're, you're one, you're one of those hot shots or Bumblebee kind of lovers, and you're dead. Fuck you. It was it was the guy. I think he was a police car or something like that. Mm. I can't I can't remember what his fucking name was, but I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Later, because you know we did the He Man, and then I did the Shira because I had a boner the whole time I watched it. Well, and hey, then, when uh, when uh, when Shira raised up her sword and changed her boobs grew. Mm-hmm. exactly they went boom, 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 boom. hello look at you now you're equally balanced that's nice yeah. you've got a butt on you too apparently because my thing was one of my biggest things growing up was teenage mutant ninja turtles mm-hmm. and in germany that was an illegal thing to say yeah i think in england as well because ninjas are bad evil people so you couldn't say that so it was teenage hero turtles yeah i think even in england it was teenage radioactive hero turtles or something yeah something turtles. like that and then you couldn't say stuff you couldn't say uh mutant in japan don't remind them about the nuclear bombs don't mention the war <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah so that's funny that's cultural i mean that is uh, one show has four different or five different names all across the world because of cultural differences. Yeah, and also the actual original comics were way better, just saying. If you want to get your dork boner as hard as you can over Turtle Cock, you need to watch, it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Forever, I think it's called or something like that. And it has every Ninja Turtle form from the comics all the way to like the newer ones in the movie. Because hmm. they keep on going from dimension to dimension, and they oh, end really? up running. They keep running into the other ones and stuff, and they have to fight with them. And they run into the old ones that are just they just basically get done whipping the shit out of somebody because <laughs> they don't <laughs> fuck around. They come in black and white. They're like, look at these guys. They're in color. What posers! <laughs> like, it's just like they're all they're all serious and angry and, and black and white. It's it's fantastic. You got to watch yeah. that one. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now if now the funny thing is, 1980s My Little Pony is bile-inducing gag-worthy. Now My Little Pony is fucking amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just it's one well, of those kind of weird things. I'll, t- I'll take your deals. word for that one, but you know. Yeah, it's definitely the there's. I don't know if it's the LGBT working working me around or whatever it is, but the uh, the the gender gap is definitely gone with the new <laughs> with the new series. Because the old series, I to this day, I'm like that's total girl shit. But the new one, I I totally got into it. Yeah, right on. Yeah, it allows you to be a better father as well, and that helps too. 
Yeah. Father-daughter yeah. stuff. Yeah. And hopefully some of these single moms realize that. Yeah. And I'm uh, also glad you balanced it out with arcade, arcade games that are based around putting guns in your daughter's hands and shooting people's heads off. And that's my daughters. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what they love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ungodly warlock. Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho-Semanticast. Let us face without panic the reality of our time, the fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities, and let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew it. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it. Send Rick and Danny in Wool Rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crawl? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. 
We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bestages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric boogaloo? Samurai cop? Army of darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. You ungodly warlock. I think we can move on now and get into some Fulci goodness here. So we're going to start off with our first film, and it's going to be City of the Living Dead from 1980. <laughs> 
city of the dead. The living dead. A cursed city. Where the gates of hell have been opened. You've got to. You must reclose those gates. We interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast. Now which police authorities have declared a state of emergency. Effective immediately within Dunwich County. All citizens are requested to return to their homes as quickly as possible. In case of necessity, contact this station, Radio WWC. You see, when you were in this trance, did you see anything besides that tombstone? Oh, yes. I saw a priest. Who, by hanging himself, opened the gates of hell. what? It's All Saints Day. A demanding, implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated. Directed by Lucio Fulci. Written by Lucio Fulci, uh, as far as story and screenplay goes. Inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. They actually yes, I, you, got, you got me. You got it there before I did. Good job. Yeah, and uh, Dardano Sieci. 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 Oh, my sciatic. Actually, I think it's Sacchetti. Sacchetti. Does it really matter? No, he's, pro- he's probably dead. He probably doesn't care anyway. Yeah. But uh, Mr. Dead Italiano. Yeah. Starring Christopher George as Peter Bell. Katerina McCall as Mary Woodhouse. Carlo De Mejo as Jerry. Antonella Interlengthy as Emily Robbins. Uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice as Bob. Another fucking Bob. But at least he's not mm-hmm. as annoying as <laughs> the other one. Daniela Doria as a Rosie Kelvin. Fabrizio Jovine as Father William Thomas. Uh, Luca Venatini as John John Robbins. John uh, John Robbins. Uh, Mikhail Sovi. Uh, I always get this guy's name really wrong. Does this guy? He's he's the guy who directed Cemetery Man. He, oh, Michelle Savio. Michelle Saovi, Saovi, Saovi. I don't know. I I can never pronounce his name right, but you know who the guy is. Yeah, dude from Demons, dude from Cemetery Man, directed mm-hmm. that one. If and, I saw it spelled out, I would tell you, but I can't say. I can't picture yeah. it in my head, but it's fine. S O A V I. 
Sov, yeah, yes, it's Sylvie or something like that. Sylvie, yeah. yeah, it's Michelle Sylvie. Yeah, yeah. And Vinatino, Vinatini, as Mr. Ross, and I do have a synopsis I pulled directly from IMDb, done by Matt Two Eighty Two. Let's see what he has to say about this movie. He says, "In a small New England town of Dunwich, a priest commits suicide by hanging himself in the church cemetery." Somehow opens the gates of hell, allowing the dead to rise. Peter, a New York City reporter, teams up with a young psychic named Mary to travel to the town where they team up with another couple, uh, psychiatrist Jerry and patient Sandra, to find a way to close the gates before All Saints Day, or the dead all over the world will rise up and kill the living. And that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and, um, the man that plays Peter is just... He's got that face for these films that he just needs to be in all of them. He looks like yeah. he, you know what he looks like. Hmm. He he looks like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger about the muscles. He looks there like, you go. And I and I mean like forty uh, year old Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, mm-hmm. where he's got the lines in his face and shit. But I was looking at him, I was like, if he had a Austrian uh, accent, he he could pull off Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he's. Ha- I mean, I think I've seen him in so many films that I can't even tell you. But it's yeah. the one of those. Cause yeah, I think he was in Killer Croc. He was in Killer Croc, and I think he was in one of the Alligator movies too. I'm just Quite trying to think. Yeah, it just he has this face that he's just wow. You could have been in you could have been in every one of these kind of weird ass horror films, and we like did detective films. Like he he looks mm-hmm. like he should be in every new like seventies New York detective film. Yeah, and he's like smoking cigar constantly, and I don't know if it's his voice or if it's just someone they got to dub in his voice for English. But mm-hmm. his voice doesn't quite match him. It's like it, mm-hmm. he's got he's got this old style boxing manager voice, you know. Like yeah, no, I think that that I think his voice is is his real voice though in the film. That's yeah, it might be. Yeah, that's why I just like God. I like that voice. It just you should be in all these weird ass, crazy ass films. It's great. <laughs> and he's got a, he's got a presence the other people don't have. All the other people are just kind of there, and he kind of comes in and steals the show. Yeah, he's the one who's really acting in it for the most mm-hmm, part. Mm-hmm. And also, you can tell right off the bat, even though Fulci isn't big on narrative and characters actually making sense and shit, you can kind of tell, like, right off the bat, he's not going to be the lead male lead or whatever, you know? Like, he he's the secondary one because he's got more to do, and he's a little rough around the edges, and he smokes a cigar, and he talks with that voice, and... <laughs> well, that's the thing. They fooled me on that one, honestly. Mm-hmm. They, fo- they fooled me on that one, yeah. They did. They really fooled me because I thought that was going to be the, that guy. I thought, he, oh, you're my man. You're my man. I'm backing you up. Oh, fuck. You know, it was one of those kind of deals. Like, wow, <laughs> you really fucked me, man. That's not cool. So when's the, uh, when's the first time you saw this film, Paul? It was after. House by the Cemetery, I think, is everyone's first Fulci. Mm-hmm. Because of how readily available it is, and how yeah, it was. This this is the film that because I heard of this one used to be a video of nasties. Yeah, and I heard it through that the grapevine through that. So I didn't think I saw this one until I was like sixteen, seventeen, and then I didn't own it until twenty. 22 23 i found a dvd copy of it yeah this one it took a while for me to uh, actually get around to i think basically thank you blue underground and arrow and to an extent anchor bay as well because basically blue underground just poured it over all the old anchor bay stuff for for a lot of cases but fulci was just something i sort of knew about through the grapevine and once i was getting into collecting dvds and stuff I was like oh yeah i'm gonna pounce on this shit right um, I think I think the first Fulci I actually saw was 
was was zombie because that oh, was no, zombie zombie yeah was the first vulture i saw too i'm sorry yeah. you're right or zombie completely... 2 depending on where you look at yeah, it but... Z- zombie 2 is the first one i've ever saw and then and then it was housed by by the cemetery yeah because zombie i can still remember to uh to this day that was in basically every vhs rental store that i was, was just around. about to say that because we rented it from the fucking store yep, yeah that's why we saw it first when i saw this film it wasn't titled. It wasn't the City of the Living Dead title. I thought it was Gates of Hell. Gates of Hell. That was the American title. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I saw it first because that's when the video store got it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What What are your sort of initial thoughts on this one? Proper gore. Proper gore. The, the first thing I saw from the film was, God, I'm trying to get my dates right because it was a long, long time ago. And there's a lot of alcohol since then. <laughs> but the um, the first thing I saw from the film was the cover of a band's album. The band was called Regurgitate, and the album was called Effortless Regurgitation. <laughs> and it's uh, it's one of those iconically grindy uh, things. It had 36 songs, mm-hmm. and it was 20 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, classic grindy goodness. Three-second songs or whatever, just chaos. But it had the film of the girl in the car with the boyfriend. Right. Which, I'm sorry, why is hand, a right-hand drive car in the film? Yeah, that, that's, that's something they didn't... Uh... Was he a postman? <laughs> By any chance, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, and it just brought me up there. I'll just say that. I was like, I won't, I won't go to the film yet. But that was the first uh, uh, scene I saw that, that that stuck with me. And then I tracked out and I read the, the text and stuff. And I saw it was from uh, City of the Dead. So the Living Dead. I'm like, okay, now I definitely have to see this. Because mm-hmm. that's just nice. <laughs> you know. It was, and then that scene, out of all the people in that film... She gets the credit for being the most amazing actress because most of that was actually coming out of her mouth. Yeah, she she actually was Fulci had her actually eat real tripe mm-hmm. and didn't spit it out. Like there there are super close up shots of obvious prosthetic when, head, but yeah, but th- that was when you were getting into some serious shit. I mean, but the, a lot of that slow guts falling out of mouth and stuff that was all her. Yeah, she uh, took it. She she was a fucking trooper, man. She yeah. she she basically just let that stuff leak right out of her fucking mouth, and then mm-hmm. of course you got the sound design around it too, where it's like, yeah. Oh, I mean that's that's the kind of shit that makes faulty films faulty films, though. That is you want you expect that shit. You know what I mean? That is just great. Well, yeah, he has this. He has this weird contrast where everything he seems to be going for, as far as any sort of narrative, is all like dreamlike stuff, and mm-hmm. and it's all sort of surreal and symbolic and and weird. But then when it gets down to the gore, it's incredibly realistic and visceral, and sometimes not even realistic. It's just so over the top, but still visceral at the same time. That it's an interesting contrast between the two things. It kind of grounds the film in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. With the priest showing up and showing up, and then the zombies are showing up and showing up and disappearing and showing up. The the force kind of smashing the glass and then cracking mm-hmm. the building in half. You know, it was a very, like you said, dreamlike, otherworldly thing, which was done correctly, but still manages to confuse everyone. I think one of one of the things about this film, and this is probably the most unfocused one as far as plot goes, uh, like you sort of mentioned there before we got into it. I think essentially there's maybe a bit too many characters in this. He's got two different sets of protagonists. You're following two different stories. You're following the reporter 
in the psychic and you're following the psychiatrist who actually lives in the town with his patient mm-hmm. and they eventually come together. But then you have all these side characters and you keep coming back to them and going away and coming back to them. He's not really telling a story in the f- in, <laughs> to start with that's all that linear or solid. So it feels a little unfocused. Also, you got way too much uh, instances of these characters kind of talking with each other, and I mean, the actors themselves are really good. I think as you watch them, the performances on their faces are really well done, but the overdubbing, when they went in to read their lines or whatever in English to do their dubbing, the dialogue is just kind of so badly written. It takes you out of it a little bit, I think. Hmm. It feels like he could have cut one pair of protagonists out of this if he really wanted to. Honestly, you could have cut the psychiatrist and and uh, her and his patient. I, the, I, that's the problem with me is the psychiatrist comes in and he's just so fumbling around everything. I mean, it just seems very fumbly mm-hmm. and not not linear, as you said, and just doesn't flow right. And I mean, him, the patient, and he are getting along very well in the film, yeah. but he just he's not he's not stepping up to the plate like Peter did, and. And it has to be one of the most underplayed, why is there a corpse in your kitchen moment? (laughs) Now, hold on. Everything's fine. Let's get a grip on this. Um, Really? (laughs) And she's like, I didn't didn't imagine it, did I? I'm like, well, it's still laying there. (laughs) Yeah, because for a good part of the film, she's basically telling them weird shit's going down. There's, There's something weird going on in this house. And he, he, he becomes witness to it. And he's still kind of, eh, eh. Yeah. He's like, oh, she's still in the house. She's not, he, they just don't get up and leave. But why are you so calm? Because even if they didn't get up and leave, someone got up and put it there. Yeah. You know, someone's playing a practical joke. What kind of fucking joke is a practical That's not a practical joke. No. <laughs> like, holy Jesus. At the, sa- at the same time that the narrative on this is very dreamlike, I, I think the atmosphere <laughs> is really good on this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The way Fulci shoots this, I think this is one of his best-looking films, where you, the deserted streets of Dunwich with just mm-hmm. wind blowing through them, I think really sets really great atmosphere. I think the fact that there's a lot of that during the day as well, like the shots during the day of just these high winds blowing and deserted streets, wide, expansive, deserted cemetery that, mm-hmm. the, that the priest hung himself in. Then there's the other cemetery when you have the the parts in the city. There, like there's that really great shot of the uh, of the cemetery that's uh, in New York. It's in it's in uh, Calvary Cemetery, Queens, New York, where you got that great background of the of the sort of city skyline, and then you and you just have that big wide fucking open cemetery. I, I think that looks really great. It's not it's not a claustrophobic film. It, it's very uh, open, and at the same time, it's still really sort of building suspense and mounting terror. And uh, I, I think he does a really great job with that. And in that scene with uh, with Mary in the casket, you know, listening yeah. to the screams and stuff, that was very suspenseful because you're like. Okay, he's got to go over there any time, any second, and then he stops going away. And I'm like, okay, are you literally going to go away? And then she almost dies, and you're like, oh fuck, she's dead. And then <laughs> and then he walked up. I'm like, now he's not going to know. And then she started screaming, and then he like, he basically killed her anyway. But it was... he almost, <laughs> yeah, he almost killed her. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, I mean, uh... the first the first two shots make sense though because he's aiming for the sides of her head. Because mm-hmm. where else he supposed to go? You yeah. Know? But then the middle shot didn't make any sense at all. Although I mean, when you think about it, he could have just t- took in the pick and stuck it in the, like the, <laughs> in the, the side. Edge, yeah, the edge yeah. of the coffin and try to pry it open instead. Well, they're they're all locked. Yeah, they're, they're all locked, so you can't do that. 
Well, I watched can... enough. I, I watched enough uh, WWF with the Undertaker. I know all this stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, even then, I yeah. might have tried to like smash the locks first before I tried to open the thing. Oh, they're but... in, they're internal locks. See, I got you again. Oh, they Jesus! Turn okay. the see. Fuck. Fuck. Um, I, I like that because it, it it immediately kind of teases the eye violence that he's known mm-hmm. for. So, yeah. so you, yeah. fully, you fully expect it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. No, I love that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, being a HP Lovecraft audiobook guy, mm-hmm. I was going and I was listening to a lot of HP Lovecraft audiobooks for a little bit. And there was a guy who basically he said he was cringing every time he heard the, the reader say the word Dunwich or Innsmouth because apparently it's Dunwich and it's Innsmouth. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Dunwich and it's Innsmouth. So yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, wait. But if you're reading it, it doesn't say it doesn't look like it says Dunwich. It says look, it says looks like it says Dunwich. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in, in the in the movie they say that Dunwich in this in this film is supposed to be built over the original site of Salem. So I mean, you know. And the funny thing is, Salem's still there, guys. Did you ever yeah. notice that? <laughs> so so give uh, give Fulci some artistic license here, people. Oh, I'm gonna give him all. You have to give him all. Yeah. especially at the end, you got to give him everything. Say what you will about the sort of lack of story in this. I think the biggest thing about this and what sort of keeps it flowing really well is it's just a sort of compendium of gore scenes and like set mm-hmm. pieces towards those gore scenes. And mm-hmm. I mean, just the gore effects in this alone are well worth the price of the film. It makes it an instant recommendation as far as I'm concerned because they're so goddamn good. Just that drill bit scene into the head wow. alone is amazing it, yeah, it doesn't look say, Bob, bob's bob's death looks fantastic he's the chronic masturbator who is blamed for even more worse things than anything he ever did there's some sort of hints that maybe he tried to sexually molest one dude's daughter or whatever but when he meets up with the guy's daughter again in the film just before he gets killed it seems like no he was probably just out smoking jays with her in the woods <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and she just blamed it on him because why well, yeah. well, he was fucking me that's all i wasn't doing pot mm-hmm. and then uh, in the beginning, when you first get him, you, I mean, he just looks like a creepy weirdo. But yeah. uh, he, he plays that role pretty well. He does some nice scenes in the film that takes off the topic pretty well. He find, he goes into that random house, because I guess he just randomly walks through people's houses. That was his mm-hmm. thing, I guess. And uh, he found his blow-up doll randomly, and then he started being like, oh, that's what I'm going to make some sweet love, baby. You know, and, like, uh, and then he looks <laughs> over, and then he sees that kind of rotten baby. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wow, that's just, I mean, if you want to kill an erection, I mean, that's a great way to do it. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like that was his, that is a spank house. Like he's, he's just got the blow up doll there. Right. And, yeah. but since the priest hangs himself, basically is the catalyst for opening the, the uh, gate of hell that's uh, under Dunwich. Basically what, what's happening is all of these zombies and stuff start appearing and all these, these dead things start showing up in our world you know they just start appearing it it feels like the the actual zombies themselves which are these sort of they're not so much zombies as they are kind of demons like they're almost kind of the precursor to uh the demons demons from demons Mm -hmm. yeah right a little little less mobile and vicious but um, a little less rick james yeah (laughs) a little less rick james yeah but i mean yeah they're just these kind of standing corpses that if they get a hold of you they can you know they can treat your the back of your skull, like it's uh, made out of uh, Jello mold, you know. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Oh, tartar with hair on it. I mean, who who knew your brain was that close to uh, the to to your hairline? You know, like yeah. not, you don't really actually have skull keeping your brain. No, there's no head. skull. Actually, humans don't actually have a skull. That's a myth. Mm. We are basically made of rubber bed bags. Yeah, yeah, and, and glad wrap, <laughs> so we're fine. 
these uh, sort of teleporting supernatural demons, and they're a little inconsistent in their powers because people seem to be able to avoid them or get away from them. We find out later in the film that they're actually super easy to fucking kill if you actually take initiative and try to kill one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Bob there, he's, he's the chronic masturbator. He has his, his old abandoned house that he hangs out in to uh, play with his blow-up doll. He sees the dead shit. He sees the uh, priest at some point, and basically mm-hmm. he... His his little subplot is he's being kind of uh, stalked by the priest for a little while. I do love that the priest as the main villain in this. He's never quite explained. It's never quite explained why he commits suicide. Was he doing that intentionally to open the gate? Or mm. was it just he was a depressed priest who hung mm. himself in a cemetery and opened the back? I, I would have loved if he had the book in his hand that they talked about. Before. Right. Because, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, the thing that links the two books is the books that they carry. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't. They call it two different names. I hate to call them the same book, but it was book the, of, Enoch, uh, Enoch. the book of Enoch is one of the first things that was in the first before the Bible and stuff, and then with with Marduk yeah. and stuff like that. Enoch, but then that Ebon, Ebon, yeah, Ebon later. So, but they were still referencing the same amount of years, four thousand, four thousand, yeah, 4, and 000, Ebon, and, yeah, and Ebon's actually that one actually is from the Cthulhu mythos, like that. Right. That was a creation of one of the writers who. Took mm-hmm. up the stories, but so it's the, it's the same. Like that's what I mean. It's the same concept. The book, you know. So if he was carrying the book at the beginning and looking with the big crazy uh, heroin mm-hmm. eyes, I think it would have been like, oh, yeah, he's now a dark priest and he's trying yeah. to do this. But because he's just wandering like it's a lovely summer day, and I'm vicar, you know, I'm vicar going to some place, and then he just hangs himself. Doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But my my thought on it is that he was just a depressed priest, and what happened is that by mistake opened the gate of hell. Like he he didn't. And by by the way, he's a depressed priest, so that means he's a priest. Yeah. <laughs> no little boys, no altar boys in that town, apparently. Exactly. And Bob um, Bob grew up. Sorry. Yeah, Bob grew up. Uh, <laughs> I, I like how he's presented afterwards, where when he comes back, where you just get the sense that it's just some sort of demonic force using his body and image as a sort mm-hmm. of a vessel. Yes. And I, and I like that he never talks with anybody. Like, right. there, there's no, there's no uh, trying to explain his plans or anything like that. He's just this demonic force that is hunting people down in the town and sort of building his army of the undead. I wish he did more of the uh, handful of worms shit. I wish that Mm -hmm. was the thing he used every time to convert people into zombies. Because when he did it to that one girl, that was awesome. He just he just raises his hand and there's all this worms and filth and shit in it. And And she was a trooper for taking that all in the face too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, but the funny thing is continuity. When you see her again, she's completely clean. Mm -hmm. So. And the worms and filter on the floor there. I love how like the townspeople they, they immediately accuse Bob. Yeah, it's, it's, gonna, it's gotta be Bob. It, she died of fright, and it's yeah. Bob's fault. It's it's gotta be Bob. And then they they see the crap over there on the floor. Yeah, he's gonna die for this. This like, bastard's gonna hang for this. It's yeah. like okay, but <laughs> okay. I like. The, but the thing is, though, I like that because if you want, if you if you read the H.P. Lovecraft. They always blame this guy that has nothing to do with it, who has no idea what's happening, actually. But that's the guy who bl- they blame instead of some kind of supernatural entity. Or they blame him for the supernatural powers. And it's yeah. that townsfolk mentality that I, that's actually pretty nicely done in this film. Because I kind of like how they just completely – they're all assholes. They're all drunks. They're all this. But they hate Bob. It's all Bob's fault. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the one guy, most of the film, he just spends in a bar. Yeah. And then he yeah. ends up killing Bob. You don't quite expect that he just 
he ends up being the you, you just think he's <laughs> another local schlub who's going to die in the bar eventually. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you think of the music on this this one? The music this... is great, and the one song reminds me of the Dawn of the Dead song. That's that's what I was going to say. I was going to say um. It, it it definitely takes like several cues from zombie and zombie or zombie two yet again depending on which one you uh, you go for here that was basically a Dawn of the Dead ripoff score right what's his name uh, Fabio Frizzi here doing the score uh, collaborated with Fulci plenty of times and I still love this score this is a really good one it's not my yeah. favorite of the Gates of Hell trilogy but it's really goddamn good. <laughs> It's really like good, and, and, and the one with, when the zombies usually come out, there's that little bit of a lighter sound music with the, yeah. with the going on, and that has a really good score, and it really gives you a, a vibe when mm-hmm. the zombies are there. Um, the Dawn of the Dead one that I'm talking about is basically, imagine, in Dawn of the Dead, there's a bump, 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 but bump. then it transcends to a couple different notes, and there's that... Yeah. Like, it, like, this is just, it doesn't transcend, it's just the same, you know... Loop, bum, yeah, it's bum, same same tone. Dun, yeah. bum, dun. Um, that and it just goes and goes and goes. It's amazing. It's amazing how many uh, zombie films though were inspired by that initial Dawn of the Dead score with, and 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 honestly, just more or less just take from that kind of heartbeat kind of thing going on, like just boom boom. I mean, bum, look bum, at Hell of the Living bum, Dead was mm-hmm. classic plagiarism. Yeah, well, that, that that just, like, outright lifted the actual songs. And we saw the many faces of Roger, which is great. Right, right. Yes, it was an exploded diagram of Roger into, into a bunch, into a SWAT team. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think definitely need to talk about the ending here, because this, this is probably the biggest uh, sticking point for most people when they watch this film. The, a lot of people seem to go, okay, I'm, I'm on board with this film even though it makes no sense, just because all the gore and stuff's really good. Then we get to the ending, which has the... Uh, can, uh, can, we, uh, can we back up a little bit before that? Sure. Can we back up to when my favorite character gets punked without having a skull by the, <laughs> by the patient, Zombie? Like, what is mm-hmm. with that? I actually really like it when the patient bought it, because I thought that actually effect looked really good. Like, you couldn't tell where her hair stopped. Yeah. Her hairline. I was like, wow, that was actually really good done. So, like, they must have actually spent some pretty good money on on some things on this film because mm-hmm. I really couldn't, it wasn't a bat with 27 holes when you stab it once. No, no, all the special effects in this look great. That's probably where they put the money. And uh, going back to what you said with that, uh, he basically stabs her in the gut and that kills her. So basically yep. if you had a pencil, just put one through their arm and they're going to be dead. They go down like nothing. Christopher George's character, Peter, he just main characters just kind of die. Once uh, Fulci's done with them in the script, it's just like, oh, you're gone. We don't really need a sleuth anymore, so bye-bye. Uh, two guys and one girl left. Well, we got to get rid of one of the guys. Yeah, That's... one of the guys is dead, and the one that everyone likes, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, because yeah. honestly, the psychiatrist should have been the one who died. He, he He's such a pointless character, and he yeah. really doesn't step up until Peter's dead. He doesn't step up at all. I mean, the only reason he did step up at all is because Peter ended up dying. So he's like, oh, I guess I got to do something now. Fuck me. So he picks this <laughs> thing up. And he just stabs the bitch in the gut. I mean, and it kills her. And then he's like, you know what? It worked once. So let me just stab up, you know, just stab the priest in the stomach with the board. He's like, and literally, I'm watching this. He goes, it worked once. I'll do it again. That's the yeah. only mentality I could see that he had. And 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 actually, it was really cool because he had that same um, house by the cemetery thing where the guy's so rotten and nasty inside. That, yeah. You know, 
So when he bulldozed the priest with the with thing, you just hear green and gobs and splat, and you know, yeah. there's nothing there. I mean, every every, every time you every time you stab a uh, any sort of a living dead creature in a, in a Fulci film, uh, you're you're immediately going to get just a big burst of maggots and KFC gravy, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. rotten KFC gravy. Yeah, and um, then you get and then you get to see uh, one of the fattest fucking zombies burning. And twirling, mm-hmm. twirling around because you can see he's like he's he's so padded. Oh yeah, his his face, his he, head he looks, looks like a jack o' lantern. He looks like a mummy, is what he looks like because yeah. he's yeah, all wrapped like, up. Yeah, it's basically like a really fat version of Lon Chaney dressed like a mummy. Yeah. Well, once you get near the end of this film, and I'm kind of feeling like this film was shot in a linear fashion. You, you kind of see where the budget's starting to run out. So yeah. you you got one zombie in the fire suit who's twirling around, and you get several shots of that. Then you have a bunch of props Man- stuck on yeah, mannequins stuck on on sticks and just set on fire and they're just sort of standing there. And to to sell that they are in pain and and dropping, you have all these uh, zombie yells on the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, and then they all just kind of fall over, and that's the end. So basically, if anyone at any point in time would have punched this fucker. The film would have never happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The priest has this sort of mesmerizing power where if he stares into your eyes long enough, your eyes start to bleed and he sort of takes control of you or whatever and mm-hmm. you know, makes you puke up your guts and shit. So he tries to do that to the, to the psychic. Mary. Like, and, and I say he tries to do it to the psychic. I'm, I'm kind of going under the assumption that all the zombies are kind of like extensions of him. So the patient character, she comes back as a zombie and tries to do it to her. And that gives the other guy the time to pick up that stake and, and stab her. Yeah. And then the priest tries as well. He tries to fucking take over the, the psychic and, and hypnotize her. And that gives, <laughs> that gives him a chance to take that big cross and, and stab mm-hmm. the priest. So I mean, there's some people might say, you know, the reason it killed the priest is because it was a cross. I get yeah. that, but it was still, Hey, uh, I did this once and, uh, he's uh, doing that blood thing again with the eyes. So I guess I'll stab him with this. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Which tells me if anyone would have put their fist to his face at the beginning of the movie, there probably wouldn't have never been a movie. Yeah. It was just one of those kind of things. It's the, it's the idea of fighting through the regression, the, the hypnotism and fighting back that killed him, really. <laughs> you know, if yeah. he would I mean, if Bob would have just shot a load in his eye. I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole film would have been nullified right there. You know? <laughs> now the ending, yeah. we should get to the ending. Yeah, so the ending is essentially our our two uh, remaining survivors here. They they come out of the uh, the priest's crypt after defeating the the priest and all of his uh, legions of hell or whatever you know the five zombies down in the <laughs> down the ground. Then they come out and the John John kid he was in custody of the police like they were taking care of him while they went to hunt down the priest and destroy him and reseal the gate to hell. So the film ends with the kid running at them and their point of view, seeing him come. And then all of a sudden terror comes on their face and they start screaming. Then the movie just basically ends with this shot of this really cheap effect of the, of the actual film frame breaking up in the little pieces. And, right. and, and uh, let's just, let's clarify. It shows him running towards him, not yeah. watching him come. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> that, that was a bad choice. Of, bad yeah, choice I was going to say, we just talked about shooting the load off. Because that. that's not, I mean, it's Italian, but it's not fucking Italian. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and it gives you, and I've looked in the background to find, like, if you could see the priest behind a stone, or mm-hmm. if 
you could see the cops like drawing their weapons, or you could see or something on the kid's face, or like, and there's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. There's a nothing at all. There's not even mist in the background that's filling up the screen. Nothing in the background that would ever dictate that reaction. I mean, the only thing that I can get was now we have to get married and adopt this. That's right. I don't want to. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit. Oh, shit. We ado- now we gotta adopt this fucker. Here's what Fulci said in an interview. And oh, I'm 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 just calling bullshit on this. I'm just saying Fulci lied flat out. Yeah. I don't care. He says originally the child ran towards the camera and we cut to the two adults smiling to themselves. That was it, a happy ending. One day I was in the editing room and we watched the footage of the adults who were arguing in the shot. They didn't get along, so we cut to the little boy running and cut back to the footage of them arguing. But in that shot, there was an aberration in the film where it looked like the image started to break up. So we use that. Now it's not a happy ending. What? What? There, yeah. there, there, there is no indication at all in that final scene that the actors were not getting along and arguing. You don't see no, that on no. their faces or anything. No, no, no. It went from happy, happy, happy of a look of fear. And that's it. That's all it is. I've watched this so many fucking times. You dead line Italian son of a bitch. Yeah. There's a Dutch version of this where the boy, where John John's running to them and then it moves to black, all black, and you start hearing like ominous now that howls and shit. That kind of signals maybe, oh, maybe the apocalypse still happens or some shit like that. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that like, would make sense. But I think what happens is they ran out of money or they lost the footage. Yeah, it's either – well, actually, what the thing is, the lack of money and lack of being able to finish the film makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I think happened. And here's the real problem, and this is probably the one thing I'll criticize the movie for as far as, come on, guys, you could have done better. All they had to do, all they had to do, and this probably wouldn't have cost them shit all to do, they could have, at the very least, just on those frames, final frames, they could have if, – if they couldn't rotoscope – his eyes, they could have just scratched his eyes out on the actual frame if they wanted mm-hmm. to, and, and just made his eyes all white or something like that, just to signify, oh, oh, he's actually a demon. <sighs> and, then that, and, and the thing is, the white eyes would have, not, would have actually came in and turned into the beyond, which would have made sense. Yeah, there, there would have been a even... There would have been a much stronger connection between the two yeah. films. If and and that's, I mean, this, if you watch the only, the film that I can say that actually has a pretty precise ending, even though it's, it's up to the imagination to fill in like blanks is the next film we're going to talk about. At least it makes somewhat sense. Yeah. And honestly, I was actually really surprised that it had such such the happy ending that it did have this. Film. Yeah. It's like, I, I was expecting one of those. Yeah. I see. You thought you did it right, but you still fucked up. And then we're just going to cut the film. You feel it's going that way because, wow, that's all it took for them to beat the priest? Again, we were talking about it. The zombies were actually that easy to kill, and you just beat the priest like that fucking easy? Mm-hmm. That kind of seems like it's leading towards, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> new, you new, thought. Yeah. yeah, you thought it was right. But, no, it uh, it turns like he just basically tra- – I thought he would basically transfer the shit into Mary – and then mm-hmm. Mary would turn around and be like, with the shit out of her mouth. See, or you, just, you just wrote 
the better version of this film right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it would seem to me. And then it would cut, and then that's the end of the film. And let us just say, Mary is one of the most used uh, actresses as far mm-hmm. as Fulci goes. Yeah, Catherine, Catherine Katrina <laughs> McCall, uh, quite the trooper, and uh, she would appear in the next film we're going to do here as well. Some trivia here, Fulci carried a bag of tobacco around for, for smoking, and apparently, so yeah, Fulci has this had this reputation of being kind of like uh, Alfred Hitchcock when it comes to his actors. He basically just treated them like shit. So apparently he didn't get along with so many people on the crew that someone actually took some of the maggots uh, they had used. Uh, by the way, that, that scene where they basically just blow a bunch of maggots on people who have glue oh, all over their faces. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Someone took a handful of those maggots and, and put it in his uh, pipe tobacco bag just this as, as a prank. And it's rumored that it was Christopher George who did it. When this was released in the United States in 83, uh, it was originally called Twilight of the Dead. Oh, okay. Twilight of the Dead. United Film Distribution filed a cease and desist because it was too close to uh, Dawn of the Dead. And I mean, that's what they were going for in the first place. They were right, trying to right. capitalize on that shit. They uh, eventually went with the gates of hell and then eventually City Living Dead. For Daniela Doria's death, in which her character vomits up her internal organs, the actress swallowed and regurgitated a plate of trash. Nice. That is sexy as fuck. She was in House by the Cemetery as well. She's House by was she wasn't she the babysitter in House by the Cemetery? The first girl who dies at the open in the opening scene. Oh, Steve! Steve! Yeah. Bang. That's it's probably a... who it is. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure that's her. DVD info for this. Plenty of options out there if you want to pick this film up. Anchor Bay had their original sort of uh, DVD release in 2000. Blue Underground carried it over in 2007. Then they came back with a special edition in 2010 that was both on DVD and Blu-ray. So you have no real excuse not to be able to I have a edition where it's a a set that also Mm -hmm. includes Don't Torture a Duckling. Oh, cool. That's that's one we have to do at some point, too. It's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, uh, Fulci doing... uh, We haven't done any Fulci doing uh, Giallo yet, so uh, we should... should, uh, do that. Uh, uh, I'm gonna if, take... we could do, if we want to do something where it's, it's, it's generally not what they do, uh, if we do that one, and we do Giallo, we should do uh, Paul Nashe's House of Psychotic Women, also known as Blue Eyes of a Broken Doll. Sounds good. Yeah, because that's a really good Giallo that Spanish people usually didn't do Giallos so much. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, we should uh, we should eventually do some uh, Nashe any, anyways. So. I love me some Nashe. I love it.
Okay, now we're going to look at The Beyond from 1981. You are Liza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. came from and hurry leave this place sixty years ago everybody in this hotel disappeared every last person called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. Tell me, with all those accidents, you think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Well, I won't give in. is here there's nobody here i can feel a presence somebody else is in here oh some weird story that emily told me about room 36 emily who's emily the blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. Directed by Lucia Fulci, written by Dardano Sacchetti, Sacchetti, fuck you, you Italian mm-hmm. bastard. We uh, <laughs> did the story and screenplay, and then uh, Georgio Gio Mazur. Jesus, Mari Zuzo, fuck, holy fuck, and uh, Fulci, they all had credits on the screenplay as well. We have Katrina McCall coming back again 
this time as Lisa Morell, David Warbach as Dr. John McCabe, Cynthia Morelli, no, Monoreal as Emily, Anatone St. John as Schweck, Veronica Lazar as Martha, Larry Ray as Larry, easy enough. Well, that's uh, yeah, Giovanni Di Nava as Joe the Plumber, who uh, could be a stand-in as basically the uh, Italian Jason Robards. If, if you're familiar with Jason Robards, because this dude looks just fucking like him. Al Cliver is Dr. Harris, and Michelle Marabella is Martin Avery. And let's go quick to the summary here. I took from IMDb from Matt Pate. A young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana where following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built on one of the entrances to hell. You were saying this is probably the one of the last Fulci you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you first see this one? Oh, uh, I would like to rectify that again. Uh, okay. The Apocalypse is the last Fulci I've seen. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, there you yes, go. But as far as Fulci horror, the last two that I saw, because I bought them at the same time on DVD, was probably in the 2010, 11, mm-hmm. which was Manhattan Baby and this one. Cool. And I like this one inherently more than Manhattan Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I haven't seen Manhattan Baby, so I'm going to have to rectify that at some point. But uh, so, so what are your sort of uh, initial opinions of this one? It's a, it's a really interesting one. It's got a lot of this really creepy stuff going on. I like kind of the atmosphere. It has. It's trying to do some very interesting backstories, but because the plot is has so many thin points, it doesn't tie them together all the way. Uh-huh. I mean, all of a sudden, the guy that's trying to help is the guy that's the problem. I mean, how does that fucking work? And, like, <laughs> you know, so the the backstory of the person in general, they don't take enough time to build to really get the sense of what's going on. So, you, so the watcher is in control of the film. The watcher is in one of the – another fucking Fulci spin drives where you're just trying to cling on to something – it's like that video that uh, back in the day they had that game show where the people were in that, that tunnel, like the air tunnel, and they put money in there and you had to grab as much money right. as you could. That's watching a fucking Fulci film, and the plot <laughs> is what you're trying to fucking grab. I mean, it's just, just the way it is. And this one makes no exception to that rule. However, I think it, unlike the um, film we just discussed, actually has a better ending. Again, this sort of falls into the sort of Fulci anti-narrative kind of filmmaking school of thought that he sort of relishes, uh, where he he's much more in interest in dreamlike imagery and sur- surreal shit. This one, at least, I think, where where City of the Living Dead kind of just name drops Lovecraft, I think this one is actually much more Lovecraftian in the way it's mm. sort of designed because you have the initial sort of past transgressions going on where you have this uh, suspected warlock basically uh, whipped to death by the townspeople who are afraid of him. And by the way, man, in, in this one, this is the pinnacle of Fulci basically having a, a character. Uh, well, no, I was going to say <sighs> character's flesh being made out of jello mold. Oh, yeah. Because, man, the, the, the wounds that the whipping from the chains do to this poor fucker, mm. he, he's almost chopped into fucking pieces by these chains alone. Like, I mean, they, they, just, could, they could be like winter chains with hooks on them, but you don't see that. You just see chains, yeah. and they just <laughs> splat, plow. I mean, man, I, I love the setup for that, and I mean, they, they do it in this version. They do it in a sepia tone to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. make it the past or whatever, although yeah. the German version is in full color. but yeah, the, the, Don't they realize the past was all in black and white? I've seen the pictures. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't understand that. Like, but People actually, just... the one thing about the entrance, like, I always loved it because you have the guys in the boats coming up. Yep. But then cars come around. Like, you didn't hear the cars? I don't understand. <laughs> like, I was like, it's just like the, the whole thing up on the house thing got me. And then the cars came around. I'm like, then why didn't everybody just drive? Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, lot of fucking effort to sneak up to have cars come around. Well, they're they're simple folk. They're from Louisiana. What can you do? I, I do love that setup because that really does harken back to stuff uh, Lovecraft would do to set up his stories. Like, oh, there was a warlock and there were fearful people and they did something terrible that opened a gate to something or did something like that, you know? They they track him down and then, you ungodly warlock! And then they just yeah, start... Yeah, da 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 Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that entire setup. I love that it's basically the killing of that guy over the gate of hell is what opens the gate. So the, the townspeople essentially cause the gate of hell to actually open by doing mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas I think it's kind of implied that the guy that they considered a warlock was actually keeping the gate closed. That's what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's because that's what he said. He's like, I'm, you don't understand. I'm the only person that's here to, you know, to stop this shit and make sure you're okay. And you're killing me. Like, if you notice what he's painting mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film, that directly connects to the end of the film. And of it course. feels like, it feels like he's basically capturing any sort of essence of hell that's trying to escape through this gate, he's capturing it in his painting. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that's what was going he's on. Like but... channel, he's channeling it, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And then you come to the present and essentially takes a little bit from City of the Living Dead. There is the sort of zombie-ish kind of stuff going on in sort of demons and shit. But it's much more like supernatural, just haunting film, like a haunted house kind of film, because it's it's mm. basically just strange events of the supernatural happening around this house. For the most part, it's very focused on the actual hotel. And as the gate of hell opens up more and more, it starts to escalate to different places in, in the town. I do love the atmosphere in this one. Like, it, I mean, there, there's something about the deep self anyway that's just inherently spooky like you can almost call this kind of a southern gothic to a certain the degree statement well. of randolph carter yeah again it just it kind of echoes lovecraft much better than the previous film did my, and, one of my favorite parts of this film that it gives you that ghost house kind of feel mm-hmm. is when they run from the house and all the lights come on and then you start seeing like bodily shapes in all the windows and stuff right like, that is creepy as fuck i love it like yeah woo-hoo. i mean i i think as much as I love Post by the Cemetery, I feel like that film is unfairly kind of like bunched up with these two, these other two films as, as part of a trilogy. Like I, I feel like Host by the Cemetery is like totally disconnected from these. Actually, I feel like this is sort of the pinnacle of Fulci's filmmaking as far as just getting all of his imagery and his uh, atmosphere and shit on screen. You can tell he's actually he's got design behind it that you can kind of interpret re- really well. Like, uh, and also the narrative again as much as it still sort of jumps around a bit, it's much more focused this time around. So like everything kind of fires on all cylinders in this film for him, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, house by the cemetery, you have a twisted doctor zombie vibe, but it's not supernatural in the way that you find the other two films. Yeah. And there's really no gate of hell kind of, no, idea it's there. just so, a straight up zombie in the house film. Well, when thing. You, well, yeah. When you think about it, host by the cemetery is a slasher film. Yeah, it's more of a slash, yeah, slasher genre. Yeah. Just a guy comes up, kills, goes back down the basement, comes back up, kills, goes back down the basement. Yeah, you never, you know, nobody ever decided to walk around the house when they bought it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I really do love this one, and this is, I mean, honestly, all three of these films, 
the more I watch them, the more I like them. I used to be, I, I used to have no time for uh, City of the Living Dead, but now I love that film. Like every really? time okay. I watch, yeah, every time I watch one of these films, I seem to appreciate it a lot more. Like it, it just, I get more out of his films all the time, which speaks to his talent because at the time, Fulci was kind of considered a kind of a C grade kind of director, you know, like just kind of a cheapy Italian director who had. You know, he just did shitty movies. That, that was kind of the general impression I think a lot of people had from him. But, I mean, watching these films over and over again, there's a real fucking artist behind this shit. Like, he he, had, he definitely had a vision. And it's very much open to interpretation, which, again, I think just strengthens the argument that he was a great artist, that he would his films were that open to interpretation. He was just he was just working with shitty budgets for the most yeah. part, I think. But he but this one he 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 went to the supernatural phantom aspect and the hell aspect a lot better, especially mm-hmm. with the blind girl because yeah. the idea where when you go to the house the house is perfect, when you leave the house the house is deserted again. Yeah. And I like the idea that she escaped hell. Yeah. And then you harken back that back later with Frank Cotton and Hellraiser. You know right. I mean like, you know, so and that that was an they always say H.P. Lovecraft, you know, was a, a Hellraiser was an H.P. Lovecraft inspired film too. I don't really see the H.P. Lovecraft inspiration with Hellraiser so much because it's just a guy escaping hell. But I kind of understand it. But then you could say it would play it off this film too because she escaped. You know what I mean? Like, and then they yeah. try to take her back. You know, and it's, it's kind of interesting. The idea of escaping death or prolonging your life. Well, that that was, definitely is Lovecraft. That's definitely a Lovecraft thing. And I mean, with with Hellraiser, also you can just kind of like, you know, the, the S&M bondage stuff, definitely not Lovecraft. I mean. Right, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of, <laughs> of what hell actually is in, in the Hellraiser oh, then, films. I mean, also, I guess, because it's the people seeking those realms of beyond... Yeah, they're seeking yes, forbidden knowledge. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's what. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So that is very Lovecrafty. Yeah, and 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 just the idea that uh, hell in the Hellraiser universe is essentially just this alternate dimension outside of our own. Mm-hmm. That's that's very Lovecraft. I mean, just alien dimensions, alien beings. So I mean, that that all sort of fits in. But I've thoroughly enjoyed this, uh, especially just rewatching it for this podcast. Uh, I hadn't watched it in about a year and a half or so, and. Uh, coming back into it, I just I, I loved again the the sense of dread and atmosphere he uh, he builds in this one. It's got again it's got a great soundtrack pumping behind it. Another Fabio Frizzi soundtrack, and I've never heard the U.S. soundtrack for this because apparently there's an alternate U.S. Sound, soundtrack to this from um, someone called Walter E. Sear. So I'll have I've to actually see which one mine has. I have to see. Yeah, I'm gonna try to try. I might I might be able to. Out. I'm gonna go grab my copy and see and read on it. <clears throat> I'm already going to have to tell you that I doubt it's an American version because there's Japanese writing on it. <laughs> this is the one I have. Oh, okay. Nice. You know, and then you can see a little Japanese right there. There's a little kanji yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think what, well, this is a grindhouse releasing. Yeah. That's the same one I have, uh, okay. essentially. Oh, and then the music is by Fabio Frizzi. Yeah. Okay. Very so- easy. So I, I, I do want to find the Walter E. Sear soundtrack of this, apparently. Oh, and honestly, kudos to shooting Wendy in the fucking face. Oh, yeah. Okay, so 
that's that's one thing I want to bring up. Uh, I think the zombie stuff in here is really great. Uh, I think part of the reason you have such more zombie stuff here is I think the producers probably wanted to you know connect it to Dawn of the Dead and stuff like that mm-hmm. even heavier. And I mean, zombies were pretty big in Italian exploitation at this point anyway. Of it was course. Exploding. So and I'm pretty sure Fulci didn't quite want as much zombie shit going on because he was, from what I understand, he was trying to remove himself from zombie. Like zombie was... You know, kind of the movie that put him on the horror map starting off in 79. Mm-hmm. But he was trying to move on from that. But the zombies in this are really great. Like, these are some mm-hmm. of my favorite zombies of all time on film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I just like that look of them in the mortuary with the fucking uh, hospital sheets or gowns on or whatever. And then later the plastic bags. Yeah, and they're and they're all fucked up. <laughs> the best thing about this, and th- this is something I just thought of uh, this time around. Uh, David Warbeck is uh, the the hero in this one is uh, Doctor John McCabe. He is one of the few, if not the only, male protagonist in a, an Italian zombie film who actually has the wherewithal to shoot them in the head mm-hmm. and keeps shooting them in the head to put them down. He, I would he, I would like to say he doesn't just keep shooting him in because he wasted a lot of bullets after that in the gut after he yeah. realized what he's doing then he started doing it and kept doing it but he but learned was a, he learned yeah but like like I said you did like four in a fucking row and now you're gut shouting this motherfucker come on you know where to go in the yeah, head yeah. in the head yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I mean, I, honestly, I think he was more like scientifically I'm a doctor so oh, no actually no 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 in yeah, the head no, okay. No. Ah, uh, you got to blow. It works for all of them. You got to blow the old cerebellum out. That's okay. And that immediately puts them above that fucking SWAT team in Hell of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they were just they were just uh, blah, 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 the dick. Which head did they talk about? They talk about top, bottom. I'd have got nothing, you know. Yeah. And I can't remember. I was driving around with my daughters today, and I remember saying because they were saying about something, and I said, "Kill the brain, and you kill the ghoul." From the original nineteen eighty six or uh, sixty eight Night of Living Dead, kill the brain, and you kill the ghoul. That's how that works. But I can't yeah. remember what the reference was, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was just. The, us and my, my, my random daughters and I talked about zombie movies. Awesome. Which, yeah, they're seven and nine, so I don't know how they would know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they wouldn't be exposed to horror at that age, would they? No, no, absolutely not. Neither was I either, of course. Of course not. <laughs> uh, overall, though, I think I really like the idea of this film. The, the, uh, the bodies coming up out of the water is gross as fuck and perfect. Mm-hmm. And Maria has balls that go down to her kneecaps. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, oh, I'll just put my hand in this fucking horrible, fucking disgusting water and pull out a whole lot of nut. I mean, she was like, that's gross. And I'm like, I wouldn't have put my hand in there in the beginning. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, give me a fucking, like, a horse, like a cow or a horse insemination glove. Then we could, yeah. I, would, I would do it then. But nah, no, nah, we're not doing that. I would have yeah. got a broom or something. Like, what the fuck's down in there? He, like, yeah, Fulci, like, <laughs> the, the idea seems to be the gate to hell is sort of semi open uh, mm-hmm. underneath the the hotel and there was construction done it was walled up it's essentially the renovation of this hotel that fully opens the gate again like it, it you know kind of gets into opening it joe the plumber breaks down the wall into the hidden chambers underneath you have all this water flooded down the basement area that just kind of adds to this idea of decay and eventual crumbling of the gates to you know mm-hmm. opening up 
the the eating of the foundation of the motel is sort of a metaphor for the eventual encroachment and opening of the gate. Uh, and it's, kind of it's a very uh, fall of the house of usher kind of vibe too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it does have kind of a vibe of of that. Yeah. Again, Fulci just he he definitely had some pretty solid ideas here, and he was able mm-hmm. to realize them with his budget, uh, a four hundred thousand dollar budget in this one. So I think that was that was probably one of the bigger budgets Fulci had to work with in his career. So mm-hmm. his ending is kind of fully realized as well. There's much more substance to it than uh, in the previous film. He, he, <laughs> he knows what he's going for here. You get that ending where the two main characters uh, find themselves trapped basically in the painting, that, that sort of hellscape painting and I, and I and I like that. I mean, that's just Fulci's. Fulci no, that's a, that's great. Fulci was a cynical, depressed guy who wanted unhappy endings. I mean, he had a pretty rough life as it is himself. Like his wife died, and then his daughter died, and before this, and a lot of his films were just really, really depressing and nihilistic mm. and cynical and. Just the idea of the two protagonists <laughs> being trapped in this uh, world of sadness and ghosts, and uh... <laughs> yeah. and then you get stuck in limbo forever. Yeah, and then you get the sight beyond sight. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that. I do like that kind of vibe, that that kind of sight beyond sight. You know, and with a blind woman and stuff. And however, you know how we talk about in horror movies when people don't always make like the rational decision. Yeah, you know. Okay, randomly, I love that desolate island road. That they were driving on. Oh yeah, them. yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and then you just randomly meet this blind woman with a dog, and then you just bring her to their house. Of course, get in the car. Just I'd be like, okay, bitch, I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> bitch, I got I got I got a jet. See ya. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah. Totally fuck. It's yeah, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, and then, I, I like your dog. I hope it doesn't rip your throat out later on. Uh, you yeah, know, ex- yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta see you later. And I remember that, that scene where the zombies are surrounding her. And I just love that. You know, I, I, I'm not going back, you know, but the way the dog's name was, I'm trying to, it was like Pepe or something like that. And she, I just hear attack penis, attack penis, attack <laughs> penis. I just, that's all I can hear when she's yelling it. Just attack penis, attack penis. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it, not to take away as, as a joke, but that, I mean, that the whole vibe of it is just is pretty fucking great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? Totally attack forgot. penis, attack told, penis. Yeah. He, penis distracted me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. If if you look at that scene on the uh, the sort of causeway bridge or wherever the fuck it is going across, mm-hmm. there's actually a very famous uh, picture of Fulci himself that he took a picture sitting on a chair on the on okay that, on that. Nice. Uh, if you look up full pictures of Fulci, you'll see that uh, look, looks pretty cool. I've been on a bridge like that, not to such an expanse of desolateness, but it kind of was. It was in uh, Virginia. There's a long mm-hmm. bridge that just is surrounded by the ocean, and that's it. And it's pretty awesome. It, it's, it's it's a weird vibe when you get on those, especially if you're alone. Yeah. Uh, well, what, what did you think about the scene? Um, there's some secondary characters, of course, again, in a Fulci film that, you know, you, you keep coming back to and going away from, and they end up dying well, horrible deaths. There are, there are two that I'm pissed about because we got robbed a good death of, of Arthur. Also Arthur. From- of night of uh, House by the Cemetery fame, he was the mm-hmm. librarian, right. and then we got robbed with Martha. We got dick teased with Martha's death, death, and then we got robbed. Yeah, 
Because I'm thinking, okay, push the thing and we'll watch it go splatty poop and pop and then in and then an aisle pop out on the other side or something like that. And we got completely fucking robbed. However, we did get some eye gouging from Joe. Joe. Joe nice yeah. Guy. Yeah. I, I, thought I, Joe would, I thought Joe was going to play just a little bit more of a bigger role than he did, though. Yeah, because he was really good. And mm-hmm. the payoff is pretty good, though, for him because yeah. he, he gets the eye gouge thing and then later on when he comes <laughs> back as a zombie his face looks like a clay mask that's been gouged you know right yeah <laughs> like like, 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 a, like a wax work wax museum yeah kind exactly of like, you know yeah. Uh, the, yeah that's yeah hard the wax museum kind of a vibe which is nice <laughs> and then uh when he uh is with his wife that apparently didn't want to jerk him off or suck his dick i don't know why i mean you got a corpse right there you got nobody mm-hmm. around but uh just nonchalantly never freaked out about the rotten dude next to her. Yeah, she's just like she's just like, okay, well I gotta I gotta dress him up his body up for the funeral. Dude, they're not reconstructing his face for an open casket. Why are you even no, bothering? Why, why are you even bothering? And then the funny thing is it when she gets in, the fucking corpse, the rotten corpse, is like six feet away from her. Yeah. But then after she dresses uh Joe and has that other scene, they're next to each other. Like oh, literally yeah three inches from each other. I'm like, um, that wasn't the way it was. And then you have no idea what she screamed about. But until the little girl comes in and they, there's an, a, 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 which I did not expect another zombie yeah. to be like, you know, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? But that was pretty interesting. Joe and Joe did a dead nuts. You didn't see him breathe at all on that table. Yeah. He did a great job. And I mean, yeah. uh, then you get the, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I I wouldn't leave open jars of hydrochloric acid laying around. No, just laying around. No, you probably wouldn't do that normally. <laughs> and that, that that's a great effect too. I would like to say, I don't believe in in the howling. I don't believe that had a lid on it either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I. I'm trying to. I'm using my brain, which doesn't get used often. But I don't remember D. Wallace actually unscrewing the jar. I just remember her chucking it. You see, here's here's where here's where we need Daniel to give us some lab etiquette. Uh, lab etiquette. <laughs> now, is that okay or not? Yeah, but I, I'm I'm assuming it's it sort of borders on the uh, side of not good. Not Probably good. something you should do because yeah. Uh, but that effect is great. Um, mm-hmm. Where where the where it drops on her face and melts her, you, you kind of expect okay, cheapo Italian horror film. It's going to like be an obvious dummy. That's one of the best effects in the film right there. It, like her, her getting melted doesn't look like a prosthetic at all to me. Like it, it just looks like her getting hydrochloric acid on her face and, mm-hmm. and melting. What do you think of, here's the other secondary character who uh, uh, gets it really well. Uh, what do you think of the uh, dude who falls from the ladder in the library, breaks his neck, and then gets gouged by spiders? Tarantulas. I, like the, I, I love the fact that you can see three fake ones and two real ones the whole time. And my daughter was going, oh, not in the mouth. Not in the mouth. Like, <laughs> like she, she had to go, don't get in his mouth. And then you never actually got that far. But I remember her saying that. And then, I mean, this is so Amityville horror-y kind of, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. with, And then, and then the, the page disappears. And I'm like thinking, why didn't you just make that disappear when they wrote it? <laughs> 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 like I just like why did you have to wait till now like I don't really understand <laughs> the whole point of waiting till now or cause like it would be like well I don't know the pages are all blank it doesn't make any sense I mean that would have worked too Yeah, that would have worked fine but we had uh, to have fake spiders 
I th- I thought the fake spiders looked decent. I you mean, you could tell all their four legs were moving in the same direction. The same oh yeah, time. yeah. And then yeah. and they were and you could also <laughs> tell they were using those to herd the real tarantulas. <laughs> yeah, like, which way are we supposed to go, guys? <laughs> spider wranglers, yeehaw! And and maybe the spider wrangling is what made him have like you know, I should do a western. You know, if I can wrangle some spiders, there we go. <laughs> and I, I I find it amazing that apparently spiders uh, make the sound of creaking metal gr- uh, gates. Uh, <laughs> Can can you oil those spiders? Because that's yeah. pretty rough. You know, they must they must have horror, horrible rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, it, it was terrible. Yeah. But but I, I guess you have to uh, make exception and go. Okay, these are supernatural spiders or some sort of man, manifestation from hell. So yes, they can uh, they can make uh, big footfalls on the ground <laughs> and they can screech like a metal gate and yeah. they can rip your face open too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I liked it. I thought it was good for what it was. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a little silly. You know, it's like, well, you know, you could have just did that a different way, but how are we going to have fake spiders if you did it a different yeah, way? Yeah, here's, here's the thing about when Fulci goes for his gore, he goes for cringy stuff, like stuff mm-hmm. that's going to make you go, like, ugh, even if it's not necessarily believable, you, you still have, like, that thing mm-hmm. in the back of your head, like, ugh. And, like, the idea of fucking spiders getting on your face to start with mm-hmm. is just, yeah. like, no. No, yeah, get no, away. I got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, will, I will light my face on fire yeah. just to get rid of these spiders. I will cut off my nose to spite my face if there's a spider on it. I will be Mel Gibson. I'll be the man with half a face if I can. Men, the that, man without the, a face. That's, 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 that's the fucking price I'll pay to get rid of these spiders off of my fucking face. Mm. I just saw fucking um, Mel Gibson in a new movie, and it's uh, with um, Will Farrell. Mark Wahlberg and John Lithgow. Oh, really? Yeah, and they're supposed to be uh, basically two, you know, dads that are basically with the same mom or something like same kids, and they're mm-hmm. like basically really they get along really well. And then their their fathers come too, and Mel Gibson's like a real asshole, this kind of guy, that kind of thing. And then John Lithgow's a goofy son of a bitch, and they get together and they fight. And basically, Mel Gibson's just trying to like make them fight the whole time, <laughs> like make, make them make them hate each other. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it seems pretty interesting. Yeah, I have to check it out. Yeah, I'm not gonna say I'd like it, but I'll have to check it out. I'm I'm up for Mel Gibson films. I don't care if he's an anti semite. I'll still watch his films. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are are people that don't have the greatest views that I like their films. And yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm not gonna. Stop oh, no, watching I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Klaus Kinski fan, and he raped. Yeah, exactly. His, raped his daughters. I mean, come on. So, yeah, so come on. You know, exactly. Yeah, and actually, Jackie Chan's got a new one coming out too. And I gotta watch and, that. And Jackie Chan's an asshole. So yeah, exactly. So I gotta watch that too. I wanna. I still wanna snuggle him like a bear, but you know, I gotta. Yeah. He's an yeah. asshole, so it's good. So, what's your sort of overall impression of the ending? Did Did, did you like it as much as I did with the I, with the yeah, whole? I, the best part of the ending, and it really solidified the okay, now you're fucked zone, is when they went down the stairs and ended up in the basement of the yeah. house, from the hospital to the house. It's like oh, okay. Shit just officially went the fuck down. And yeah. then you had that same force field that smashed the glass. You got the other doctor. I'm still alive. Smash. No, not anymore. Yeah, yeah. glass in the face. You're dead, bitch. Glass Bye. in the face. You're, you're dead. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for showing up again. Yeah, you mm-hmm. got your day's worth of pay. And then they go downstairs. Get away from all these dead guys. I'll hide in the morgue. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Are you that dumb? You know what? Maybe you should die. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. I liked how the doctor portrayed the ending. When he was going like, I'm a doctor. I'm not going to take anything but a rational explanation for this bullshit. But here's my gun <laughs> anyway. 
Yeah. Here's my gun anyway. There you go. I'm going to shoot these fuckers. Where, where rationality ends, my, my bullets begin. Yeah, exactly. So I like that. However, there was one line that should have been taken out of the film because it, it, it hints to other things that weren't in the plot, weren't in the storyline. He asks, who are you? Like, no, who are you to the girl? And that oh, yeah. has no reference at all, the house to her backstory to anything. So you really, it, that line should have been removed. Because if, if it turns out she was like, you know, she was a reincarnation of the first warlock's wife or something like that. Like, it yeah. would make better, yeah, so you, it doesn't... Yeah, they never line, connected that, right? Yeah, so that I, I would take that line out of the movie. Um, I know it's a very small thing to say, but I would take that line out of the movie. One of the things that didn't make sense, and then did make sense, and then didn't make sense, was at the funeral... With the mom and dad, mm-hmm. which just automatically fucking happened because you, Joe was in the fucking morgue for 12 days and no one did anything. But as soon as the <laughs> fucking wife died, they're just in the cemetery together. Done. Same no, he was, a, he was a plumber. Yeah. Joe the plumber. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> what a cheesy fucking name is that for Joe the plumber? Yeah. But So the little girl that is now an orphan, basically, the whole the fucking crying family went one direction and she went another. Uh, Jill runs in, and my sister's a redhead named Jill too, and she's a bitch too, so I understand. But uh, she uh, she runs into uh, Eliza. Eliza, and I'm like, okay, she's gonna stay with Eliza. That makes sense. She's got a hotel, you know. She needs a room, and then she fucks off again. I'm like, now yeah. it doesn't make sense again. Yeah, Eliza's like, little, yeah, she's Eliza's like, this little girl. What the fuck? Yeah, Eliza's like, I'm sorry, and then walks off. Yeah, then then fucks off. I'm but like, I mean, also how, did, also, how did she get to the cemetery? How is she getting home? Like, I although, just... although I mean, you know, the <laughs> the uh, the twist there is that Jill is actually a demon. Like, she, yeah, she yeah, comes yeah, but that, that but that shows human nature because they don't know she's a demon. They're just letting yeah. the fucking girl fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't see Jill's support system at all. Like, you don't no. you don't see the. You don't see the foster parents or anything like that, or the uncle and aunt who take her in, or any shit like Everybody's that. Everybody's crying and crying, but don't give a fuck about the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, poor redheads. They always get the mm-hmm. fucking short end of the stick. Yeah, but she's um, not a hot, she wasn't a hot one. She was just a redhead. Oh, she got hot and she got older. I see some oh, pictures. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. They age well, like a fine wine. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, good, they good, do. Good. That's what I like about those redhead girls. And that, I mean, that that headshot was fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, and and you know, kudos to Fulci for uh, yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna kill a young girl. We're just, we're just gonna See, blow yeah, her head and, right and, off. And and the other thing is that was still in the doctor's rational zone, trying to make sense of it. But he took he didn't he didn't take three seconds at all to just blow the girl's head completely off. Yeah, he oh. he obviously wasn't a pro redhead person. He he was yeah, like <laughs> he was yeah. <laughs> it's like shoot first, ask questions later, kill it with fire. Yeah, like it's that was a spider to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spider, <laughs> redhead, fuck it. You know, I was like, and the thing is, like, he was gut shotting the zombies at the time. Like, he was, fuck you, fuck, gut shot. Ah, I'll waste the bullet here, waste the bullet. I'm not wasting the fucking bullet on that bitch. So <laughs> I, wanted, I want to destroy your redheaded face. I just, death to you, freckle fuck. I don't, I don't want to lock eyes with you ever again. Yeah, so I'm going to blow them out of your, of your skull. Yeah, that was just like that was a little rough, dude. I'm gonna tell you, you know, you were yeah. just cuddling around with these zombies, but you put the fucking girls had right the fuck off. Get a little bit of trivia here during the final scene where they're uh, stuck in the land of ghosts and sadness, or whatever the fuck it's mm. supposed to be. The sand-covered bodies lying the ground were actually stark naked street derelicts who were paid with alcohol. 
Now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I, I could have got. I could have got that job. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, I would have fucked with him and got an erection and put it and saw if they could get it on on film. The boner from beyond. Uh, the film was never seen in America until in its uncut form until 1998, when Grindhouse releasing tracked down the original master and restored the film. <laughs> and it was Quentin Tarantino's Rolling Thunder Pictures uh, that released the restored uh, DVD originally. The zombie rampage was done. Yeah, this is something I hinted, hinted towards and sort of suspected. The uh, the zombie rampage was done at the insistence of the film's German distributors, who were uh, their their market apparently was going through a zombie craze at at the time. Although uh, I'm kind of surprised by that because every film that ever showed up in Germany, uh, even to this day, really got, is got banned. Yeah, but, banned uh, I think. I think it was either this one or City of the Living Dead was banned several times. When it that's, was... the, that's the one that I got while I was in Germany because I got it from the banned room that I went I went to. An, I, I don't know if I told you this story. I went to the uh, one video store and mm-hmm. he closed the store because it was my friend's friend. They closed oh, yeah. the store. We went back into the way, way back area where like, you know, sh- sh- shit porn was everywhere and fisting and vomiting. And that was just all over the place. But he went back through then even. So that was fine, and then oh, and he, he got fucking padlocks and chains off this fucking door Jesus. and opened it up and found all these horror movies in there that were banned. And I was like, I walked through all this crazy stuff, all this fisting, shitting, vomiting, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff, all this, all that, which I owned it because I bought everything. That and was just. I, <laughs> and I I, 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 I I walked through this and I found Halloween two. Yeah, behind this Jesus. huge padlock door jesus christ you, you know uh, uh fucking scheiser brittle uh that, that that's fine you know that's uh, fine no that's definitely that no that's great no no it's, it's okay you know like uh, i taste uh taste my prolapse yeah taste two. my prolapse you know actually actually it was it was a shit eating lesbians volume three i got uh, and uh, you know <laughs> and it was like uh, it was I, mean, I had to buy it but yeah and then behind this padlock door was City of the Living Dead and Absurd. I think it's also called uh, uh, Macabre with, uh, okay. you know. and uh, But there was Halloween too. Okay, I was like, okay, I'm expecting like the doors of hell to open and I got Halloween too. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, but there's still, it was still banned in 2010. So it, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't get released until later. But it was really fun to go into this naughty band room. Like that is... The, the adrenaline level when I was open was kind of going through all these films that I knew were like completely taboo, even though they weren't to me there, it gave me like a rush to go through all these films and stuff. And of course, because you couldn't sell them at all, yeah. I got really good deals on them, you know? So nice. instead of 20, 25, 35 euros, I was getting them for five euros. It's fucking Nazis, man. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, but it was, it was great. So, yeah. you know, and uh, that's what I, I bought. That's where I bought the, the city of the living dead. Nice, nice. Yep. Uh, DVD info for this one. Again, you can just get an abundance of options here. Uh, Aquarius releasing first released this on DVD in 2000. Grindhouse released it on DVD in 2008. Anchor <coughs> Bay released uh, a version on DVD in 2000. Arrow Films recently, well, not recently, but uh, in 2011, they did a DVD. And Grindhouse came back with a Blu-ray version of this in 2015. So you have no excuses. And it's also on uh, Daily Motion right now as well. So Nice, nice. Yeah, if you want to you pick that up. And so 
Paul, what what is your uh, what is your favorite film out of this so-called trilogy? Is it the Beyond? You know, I'm a sucker for the originals. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still a sucker for House by the Cemetery. I I, I kind of lean towards that one as well. As much as I appreciate, like the first two films are like thematically more connected and everything mm-hmm. like that, and, and yeah. They're more the and I mean honestly, they're much more artistic as far as mm-hmm. Fulci going for interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. I just I, I like House by the Cemetery. Yeah, even, I do. Even, that, that's even with, still my favorite. Even with Bob, I, I still yeah, like that even film. With Bob, uh, it's the thing is like my favorite film besides Jaws, of course, because I really don't consider that horror anymore. I just consider it an epic film. My favorite film is Jaws. My second favorite film is Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. the original. Now, yes, Dawn of the Dead is the overall better film, blah, 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 but it's not fucking Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that kind of thing. And this is the same thing. Beyond is probably my, my second favorite Fulci. No, actually, New York Ripper is my freaking second favorite <laughs> Fulci. But um, out of these, uh, Beyond is my second. So Dawn of the Dead, for me, is still my second favorite because Night of the Living Dead will, can't, can't get kicked off first place. Right. Same thing with how, uh, well, you know, The House by the Cemetery. It's still number one to me. And then I give it Beyond is probably number two. And then because the Beyond has this vibe to it and the kills and the rottenness and the wet. It's just yeah. very, very, <laughs> which is great. Then I do City of the Living Dead. I would agree. Actually, I'd probably rate those all exactly the same. Um, I think City of the Living Dead is interesting. He's like kind of formulating his ideas that he would do in the mm. Beyond. Like he, he kind of expands on the Beyond and perfects those. And then again, I feel like Post by the Cemetery isn't really connected to these two films. It's a different right. thing. It's a and different, I, it's all and, different thing. And uh, as far as like just like a really cool sort of supernatural slasher <laughs> film, I think mm-hmm. Host by the Cemetery is really fucking good, and I still like it. I I like how mean and just depressing it is and right and i don't think fulci did either honestly i i think it was and more... i don't think cows had anywhere near the budget no that i think that was very much lower budget at that point compared to the mm-hmm. other two um but yeah i i think it was people outside of fulci that kind of linked this as like oh it's their is this gates of hell trilogy no it's just you know fulci was playing with some ideas but he wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily going for any sort of uh series of films or anything like that he was just he was just expanding upon the shit he was sort of writing and working out in his head. So, I've heard a lot of people, like different people, take three different films and be like, "Well, this is this trilogy. That is that." I'm like, "But was it? I've never heard that. I've never heard it called that, you know." But you guys call that. But like, uh, was it the Tenant trilogy from Polanski? The Apartment uh, trilogy or something like that? Something like a, that. Yeah. Yeah. Rosemary's Baby and stuff like that. I'm like, but they're not connected at all. I don't yeah, understand. That, that's 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 where you get into uh thematic trilogies yeah, where, okay. where where the, where they're connected by some sort of themes or tropes, but they're not necessarily they're not sequels or anything like that, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. These two have such a definite connection that you can't they're not yeah. using like for instance, I said it right at the beginning of uh when they go to Dunit Dunwich. Dunwich. Uh, you know, they they're using a four thousand year old book. Yeah, but with different titles. Yeah, you know that it's the same thing though with the, the this you know the force that breaks glass. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many different things that you can just link these films together with. The rotten body to mm-hmm. me is the priest. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the same idea. Like it's it's very much the same idea. Mm-hmm. And it is and it is a very alarming hearing that buzzer going off, that bell going off yeah. right at, at moments of high tension. And it's really interesting playing with her psyche because when shit's going down, it's nighttime. 
But as soon as the doctor gets a hold of her, it's daytime again. Yeah, you're not. You're never quite sure what she's imagining and what's actually going on. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's so much of that sort of dreamlike quality going on with 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 her character. Yeah, if I had to link a movie to this one, just based on 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 the way this movie does portray itself, mm-hmm. Amityville Horror is is the movie that I would say it it makes me think of a lot. Seems, seems like it's influenced. By Amy, the gate horror. of hell, you know, the gate yeah. of hell, the, the, the house playing on the people, yeah. not knowing what's going on, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's all great. I mean, this it's and obviously Amityville Horror could have played on the, the, the New England tripe of, of Lovecraft as well, right? Right, so so we got a couple more comments here, we'll we'll get through real quick. Court Psyops from Cinema Psyops, an excellent, excellent fucking podcast. He says, Beyond is the best made and most coherent of the three films. It also wins out for me with the inclusion of David Warbeck. He says, Christopher George does a fine job in The Gates of Hell, City of the Living Dead, which is my second favorite of the trilogy. The loose narrative of these films are more or less a skeletal framework to hang gore-drenched death scenes on. However, the most fleshed out is the beyond. By using the hotel as the basis for where these things occur and having the body of Spike be the spread of the hell portal's influence, it helps to explain why these things occur. Spike's body is there as a conduit. Gates of Hell, City of the Living Dead, feels so much more random and jumps from scene to scene without a hook, save for the priest appearing and someone gets their brain pans squished. He says, House by the Cemetery doesn't feel as though it belongs in the trilogy, though I like the film. It is the least like the ideas of the other two and is more of a ghoul lurking in the abandoned home. There isn't yeah, much yeah, hell. That one. Yeah, there isn't much uh, Hellgate activity, but the haunted house aspect is quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think we kind of just totally agree of court there as far yeah, as yeah. <laughs> stuff We're goes. all fucking wrong. Yeah, some I mean, some of those wrong. but I mean, if if I'm gonna be if I'm court's awesome, <laughs> if I'm gonna be wrong with anybody, I'll be wrong with court. So, uh, mm, so wrong is right. Exactly. And Bylog comes back again with another comment. Jesus Christ, he's making up for the lack of comments over the last yeah. year. So he says, "The Beyond is my favorite of the three, no doubt." That being said, I didn't really love either of these movies. It's not really he's not really a big fan of Italian horror uh, genre in general. Certain ones I. Yeah, fucking racist. Certain ones I enjoy, such as Zombie and Cannibal Holocaust, minus the animal cruelty. Right. But the ones that are really surreal and have nonsensical plots don't really work for me. But hey, at least you can always count on some great nudity in Italian horror. Except that you guys pick two f- movies that have none. Shame on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's why we have to start diving into Spanish horror, because eat for a dollar... I mean, a fucking dollar. You can buy a Nashe film with tits and bush. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll be doing some Nashe at some point. It'll be mm-hmm. actually we might. Fuck it. We 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 should decide on like at least one or two Nashe films as a bonus for later in the month. I'll just tell you my favorite three or four, and then you can just decide. Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. That'll be good. I'm not <laughs> sure what's going to be the next official episode. We have some little ideas floating around. Uh, I'm going to be releasing an intermission episode uh, on the same week that this episode's released with uh, just some bonus material. And, uh, of course, uh, I've already got these actually finished and recorded, the next Blood on the Tracks, with the second half of our uh, look at slasher soundtracks and scores from 85 to 89 is going to be out. 
And the Wolfman himself, Lee Van Teef, is coming back with another Halloween rock and roll radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are already done. So uh, plenty mm-hmm. of stuff coming in October. And Paul, please tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. You can find me over at PA Brew News on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Oil Paintings by Pippi Romali on Facebook. Haven't really done too much going on. I need to rectify that. PaulRomali.com also with the oil paintings. And Funeral Dust 666 YouTube for some medley goodness. And Funeral Dust and Permanent Midnight and all that shit. All the bands are usually on Facebook somewhere. You need to... um start painting paintings of uh, a desolate hellscape with bodies I should try that. I, I will do that, but I'll have to be naked. Yeah, and just don't do it in Dunwich. Yeah, don't do it in Dunwich. I'll do it in Dunwich, though, because Dunwich, there you go. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun a different there. place. Just do yeah. it in Dunwich, not Dunwich. Totally different so. place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, you can find all our stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our YouTube, iTunes, Facebook links there. Join our Facebook group. It is the single best way to get in touch with us and find out what's coming up in the podcast and what the fuck is going on and where you can leave your comments and get in touch with us, leave your criticisms, tell us we're crap, tell us we're great. Prefer you tell us we're great, but if you want to tell us we're crap, hey, do that too because we'll read those comments on the air and uh, tell you you're wrong. Yeah, but make sure you actually put a whole full comment if we're crap. I want to know why. I want to know why as well. Yeah, just, just just let us fucking have it. Until the next episode, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And, uh, Paul, it was a pleasure talking these two films with you, sir. And uh, thank you. Yeah, great to be here. Looking for more. I think we should just slam the shit out of it for October and get some, get some good ones done. We will be doing that. Yes, indeed. All right, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group, as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you. Drive through.